0: Why, Dr. Dentith, is that a book in your lap, or do you have a horribly misshapen groin?
1: Why can't it be both? But you're right, it is a book, and it's my very is own... It, is it Mein Kampf? Why would it be
0: mine, Kampf? I oh, maybe a, this is your way of telling us you're a secret Brazilian
1: Hitler clone, and you always have been. There is so, so much wrong with that statement. No, this is the book. This is Taking Conspiracy Theory yeah. Seriously. A book that we have devoted a large amount of verbiage to and time on this podcast and features as its editor and occasional contributor Secret Hitler Klein? Me! Myself! Yours truly, Dr. M R X Dentith, editor and contributor to Taking Conspiracy Theories Seriously. Well... That's good, I guess. All, all that all that Nazi
0: talk was starting to make me worried. There,
1: you were the one making all of that Nazi talk. Frankly, I think it says a lot more about you than it says about me. They're beginning to suspect. Roll
0: the theme. Roll the theme. <laughs> Podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy. Brought to you today by Josh Addison and Dr. M. Dentith. Hello and welcome to the Podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy. It's a new year, it's almost a new episode because it's the second one of the year, not the first, but you get what I'm talking about. Uh, I, of course, as you may suspect, am Josh Addison and sitting next to me, as you also might suspect, is Secret Hitler clone. Secret Hitler clone, aka Dr. M. R. X. Denteth. Dentith,
1: Mm. Actually, you probably shouldn't say that probably on the podcast <laughs> 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 you, YouTube is now going to be cutting down on conspiracy theory related so videos So they've probably just ruined us for all time mm. Oh well, you can't can't be helped um, So, we, we've we been
0: talking about this for a while now uh, Here's a book, but it exists It's an actual thing, a physical entity And
1: Josh is yet to hold it in um, his yes, two my, hands Can I touch so. it?
0: Can I? Can I? Don't tease me! Don't tease me, I can't take any more of this. Ah, well, there we go. There we go, let's just get a fit for the podcast listeners. Bit of the old page riffling actually, if you can
1: do that all episode long, it's a bit sweltery at the moment, that so that it actually would be quite bit, good.
0: Yes, I, Australia is basically on fire from what I get. I gather, and the thing about I'm Australia concerned. is that
1: gum trees literally explode in high mm. heat Australia. So it's not just on fire, Australia is exploding whilst being mm. on fire. But more importantly, the Australian heat, I believe, is headed our way. It's not going going to affect us so badly in Auckland because we've got nice coastal breezes. Mm. It's the middle of the North Island which is going to suffer due to Australia's heatwave. Yes, but enough talk about the weather. Um, Your book is here. It's real. It's a thing. It's now presumably available
0: for purchase.
1: It is Mm. on all good online bookstores, and who knows? Maybe even your local bookstore in some country may even be stocking it. But if you do want a copy, Roman and Littlefield are the publisher, and Roman and Littlefield have a website where you can order the book for. £29 or so. It's mm. actually a fairly decent price for a book. And you get a lot of chapters and a lot of me. Mm. And That's an, an awful name. lot of So May. there you go.
0: That name again, Taking Conspiracy Theory Seriously. Look for it now. But. Um Before we get into the episode, if you were listening last week, we're trialing a few extra sections, one of them being one on updates and retractions, which we said, oh, we won't need to do that one too often, but um, But we do do have some more updates and retractions. So uh, let's get straight into those then.
1: Indeed. Updates and retractions. Right. Righto, so
0: last, last week, it was last week, wasn't it? We talked about the um, elections in the Democratic Republic of Congo, um, which at the time, like, they, they were being called into question, um, and yet they, the, 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 verdict, or the, the verdict, the result is the word I'm looking for, has been upheld, I understand.
1: Yes, it's been held by the judicial system in the Congo. It's being doubted by the African Union, France, Belgium, a whole bunch of other European countries who are going, we think there's a problem with the vote and the vote count. But at this stage, the leader of what was formerly the opposition is now the head of government, and the person who is suspected to have won the election, the third party candidate, is not. Oh, well. Uh,
0: Yeah, are these the sort of things where international pressure has an effect?
1: I mean... Hard to tell in situations Mm. like the Democratic Republic of the Congo. Mm. We will see. It's one of these things. The story may rumble along for a few more weeks. Or or the last we hear of it and they just carry on as if... As if nothing happened. I mean, we've also got the Venezuela crisis, which we'll be talking about in the next episode with respect to the news. And, of course, that's another. Is the election fair and balanced? Did the right person win? International pressure is going to be a lot stronger on Venezuela... Because of its natural resources, mm. that is on the Congo, which unfortunately no longer has natural resources because of colonialism and taking those resources away. Hooray!
0: So I understand there was a, a bit, a bit of extra news about the Screepile poisoning case.
1: Yeah. So this, this is what, on one level, is really minor story, in that it turns out the first responder to the screepals was the daughter of one of the UK's top military nurses. Now that in itself. Doesn't sound particularly interesting. Mm-hmm. But the people who are concerned that the Western response to the Skripal poisoning, which is to blame Russia, people who are concerned about that are going, what, well, isn't it interesting that mm. the first responder is the daughter to one of the UK's top military nurses? Doesn't that make you think the whole Port and Downs thing, the Chemical creation and testing site Near to Salisbury Which confirmed the presence of Novichok As the poisoning agent Don't you think it's a bit suspicious It's a military nurse involved here So the story's rumbling away With people going Oh, oh, this kind of bolsters the claim That maybe the UK Is pretending it was Novichok To blame the Russians for Some other event
0: Hmm.
1: Oh, well, we'll see Yes, I mean, it's it seems
0: like a bit of a reach,
1: as you say, in and
0: of itself, but I suppose if you're already thinking along those lines, then... Yeah, then this does, does seem does a little bit suspicious. Out, yeah. Um, and finally now, last week in our updates and retraction section, um, we, w- we were forced to confront the fact that uh, we actually cocked up our episode numbering. Well,
1: see, we weren't confronting the fact we cocked up the episode numbering, we were facing the fact that numbers don't work like they used to. Mm, yes, so so due to some
0: strange fluctuation in the space-time continuum, uh, what we thought... At the end of last year, was episode 200. It was actually episode 201. Um, and at the time, we, we'd been sort of noting down all the episodes and found the, the numbering discrepancy. Unfortunately, M, you were just a little bit too efficient, weren't you? And and were correcting the numbering as you went. So when when it came to look back to find out where the numbering actually went wrong, it wasn't immediately obvious. But I understand we found it, and I understand in what should come as no surprise to any listener of this episode that it's essentially all David Icke's fault.
1: It's true, you see, we did a interview with David Icke mm. around about episode one hundred or so. Which turned out to be episode one hundred and one. No, sorry, it ended up one ten turned out to be one eleven or something. Yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So basically we had we had we had two one tens at the same time, and the confusion occurred precisely when we interviewed David Icke. Which I <laughs> must admit we were both fairly giddy
0: after that, so probably could be a, could be a forgiven for I still blame calculus. Mm, well, yes, no, it's all gone downhill since that. Bloody Newton or... No, Leibniz. Leibniz, that's yeah. the
1: one. Leibniz has ruined life for everyone. Yes. Thanks, Leibniz. Mm.
0: Um, but that's all we have now in the way of updates and retraction, so that's okay. Uh, so I believe now it is time to head into the main part of the episode. Yes, let's rush head forth. Head first. Both. Head backwards. Headlong. Sorry, is that a subway reference? No, it's just launch headlong. That's another another it's a word in the English language which we are speaking right now.
1: Are we? Mm. Interesting. Mm. Let's go to the content.
0: Mm. The weird and some would say mysterious death of aspiring US presidential candidate Robert F. Kennedy or RFK at the hands of Sirhan Sirhan, is not a topic we've covered on this podcast, despite the fact that it is at least as mired in conspiracy as the death of his brother JFK. According to the official story, on June fifth, 1968, RFK was shot by Sirhan Sirhan in the kitchen pantry of the Ambassador Hotel in Los Angeles. It was a lone assassin, motivated by hatred of RFK's support of Israel over Palestine. And yet, the official story for some does not add up. People claim there are too many bullets for it to have been the work of just one person, and the entry wounds on Kennedy are said to not match the respected positions of both Sirhan and RFK at the time of shooting.
1: Now, truth be told, I've never been all that interested in the Kennedy assassinations, plural. But at the end of last year, I listened to a very interesting podcast on the death of RFK, entitled The RFK Tapes, which features two hosts, Zach Stewart Pontier and Bill Kleber. Now, what made the podcast so fascinating was the fact that Kleber wrote Shadowplay, the unsolved murder of Robert Kennedy, and is a fully-fledged conspiracy theorist about the death of RFK. As such, the 10 or so episodes of the RFK tapes end up not being just a discussion about the death of RFK, but as the series winds down, a debate between someone who thinks Sir Han did it, and someone who believes Sir Han was simply a patsy.
0: Yeah, so in this episode of the podcasters' guide to the conspiracy, we're going to talk about our reactions to the series uh, and the way in which Stuart Pontier and Kleber talk about the kinds of evidence which ground their respective views. While it certainly would be helpful if you've already listened to the episodes, we're going to do our best to summarise their views in our discussion. After all, the RFK tapes doesn't say anything new or novel about the death of RFK. What's really interesting about it is the collaboration between two people with very different views as to what really happened that evening in 1968. So where to begin? I guess we should summarise what we know or don't know. So,
1: Josh, what do you know about the death of RFK? When did you first hear about the death of RFK? Did you shoot the bullets? That's what I'm asking. Did you kill RFK? I am not
0: the assassination of, of RFK. You're not the assassination of RFK. Nor am I the assassin. But I'm no, no, not, not in any way conceptual sense. Am I the assassin? Although, in a sense, aren't we all the assassination of RFK? I'm glad Did you went there. All
1: right. So, tell no. me, what do you know about the event that apparently know? didn't cause yes. or uh, the embodiment of? Indeed. So, I mean, I, I'm sure.
0: I'm sure we've mentioned it in passing. But, but well, in I mean, RF- we would have mentioned it yeah. when we talked about JFK. Yeah. So, I mean, I knew. Um, I knew Bobby Kennedy had been assassinated. I knew the assassin's name was Sirhan Sirhan because that's a bit weird. Actually, that's probably a little bit racist off me to say, isn't it? It's a it's a type of name from another part of the world. But anyway, it's, it it sticks out to one. It's a memorable name. I I had, like like JFK is the one you think about when you think about conspiracy theories. It's, it's the granddaddy of conspiracy theories. Before 9/11 came along, it was probably the biggest one out there. Um, so RFK has sort of been um, in in its shadow somewhat. So I didn't really know. Like I was not surprised to learn there were conspiracy theories around his death, but I didn't know the details of them at all. Um so it was interesting to hear the overview of that, which we should probably give now, I suppose. Well
1: but actually, well, let answers. me give my background to yep. my So okay. I've always known about the assassination of RFK and the conspiracy theories around it, because the crew I ran with back at school and then early days in uni were the kind of people who were yeah, I think Lee Harvey Oswald killed JFK, but that Sirhan Sirhan thing—that's really weird. Some sort of some sort of conspiracy theory hipsterism, basically. You're to the, yeah,
0: into the conspiracies, the obscure ones you probably haven't. Yeah, okay, so
1: yeah, I'm I'm into the more obscure mm-hmm. conspiracy, the Moscow Show Trials, the Gulf of Tonkin. Don't talk to me about Watergate or JFK. I mean, nice. so yes, I was always amongst people who went, yeah, the. Suhan Suhan was meant to be in one location, but the the powder burns are in the wrong part of the body, and there were too many bullets for the gun he was meant to be firing. And then he acts really weirdly after the event. There's something really suspicious about it. But JFK's never really fascinated me because a it's a very well-treaded mm, conspiracy, not much new ground together Very. and RFK actually isn't particularly important historically. That's not to say there wasn't a conspiracy to kill him. But people who don't even become president who get assassinated aren't in any way near as interesting as presidents who get assassinated. Mm. And given I'm not that interested in the JFK conspiracy theory, because not my president, literally not an American citizen, I wasn't really that interested in R- RFK, but this podcast... This mm. podcast actually makes for a compelling it really does. listen. Yeah, so if we, if we haven't made this clear, you really should go out
0: and listen to the RFK tapes. It's only 10 episodes long, plus a few bonus ones, um, and it's a genuinely interesting thing to listen to. Yeah. Mm. Um, so just, just to sort of lay things out, the, the, the conspiracy theory version uh, of the assassination of RFK is that um, Suhan Sirhan, uh probably didn't act alone. Uh, and probably was some sort of patsy to the point of the suggestion that he was actually some sort of activated Manchurian candidate type who'd been given some sort of post-hypnotic suggestion and wasn't even aware of his own actions um, when, when he shot at, uh, at RFK. So... The, the the main evidence is around um the, well, the main physical evidence I guess is around bullets as as it was with the JFK assassination really um, he was firing a revolver that had I think eight shots and they they could account for all eight bullets um, ended up in either RFK or the other people who were hit in the crossfire so they, they extracted eight bullets um, from from uh, the people who were shot. Uh, and yet, there are still supposedly uh, bullet holes in the scene, which can't be. Like some of them potentially. There were bullet holes in the ceiling, which they said could have been accounted for if a shot went wild, went through the ceiling, hit some of the superstructure behind it, ricocheted back down, and hit a person. Those could be accounted for, and yet there were other ones in a, in a door frame.
1: Yeah, which, and the door frame's a
0: major yeah. part of the story. So it suggested there were more shots fired than, than Suhan could have fired. There was also. Um, and we'll talk about this a little bit in detail. I think uh, audio tape analysis, because yeah, this was he was he was on the presidential trail. The whole thing was recorded, um, and so there's been analysis of audio tapes of the event that claim to have uh, be able to identify more than eight shots. Um, and then there were the interviews with Sirhan Sirhan. Now, this was one thing that I was not clear on, and and, and was not cleared up for me by the podcast. There, there, there's some quite interesting interviews where, where Surhan was hypnotized by a police psychologist or someone and gives a bunch of very strange responses when asked why he did it and, and so on. Why was that just sort of procedure to, to interview someone under hypnosis? Why would they have been hypnotising him in the first
1: place? That's a good question, because that Cause really I, isn't actually there's no up. satisfactory yeah. answer in it. So Is my, so,
0: well, did back in the 60s?
1: Well I mean in the sixties the whole notion of mind control and hypnotic suggestion and things are a much stronger prevalent force in trying to account for evidence. I mean, this is the point in time we're looking at mind-control experiments being mm. committed by the American and Russian government at the time. Experiments that didn't actually result in much at all, but it was a serious contender. And I have to imagine at some particular point... Someone says, well, you know, his actions are weird. Oh, actually no, actually, no, now I think about it. I was going to go for a nice conspiratorial one. They think he's a Manchurian candidate. And of course, he claimed not to remember yes. the event. Ooh. So you would use hypnotic regression right. to try and get them back to that point. And then, of course, you get Sir Hound, Sir Hound's rather interesting responses, which are read as some as being simply... Normal responses hypnotic regression, and other people saying no, that's evidence of hypno programming mm.
0: now one of the things they say uh, right I think in the first episode, right near the beginning of the podcast, is that um, because this had happened, this was after the assassination of JFK, and there were already conspiracy theories going around about jfk's assassination and so the authorities There there was a a real effort by the authorities to sort of do the investigation of this right. They didn't want to leave any sort of room for people to come in and say, "Oh, but what about this? What about this?" You know, they didn't
1: want a Warren
0: Commission-style response. Um, But unfortunately, it seems like their method of doing this was kind of just to, to suppress anything that didn't didn't fit nicely, which ends up when you start seeing some of this, making things making it look like they did. Uh, have something to hide although possibly it was simply that they wanted a nice tidy story not that they were actively hiding the truth but there are a few the, the, the one that was really quite a quite a sort of eye-opener for us in the in, uh, in the in the 20-teens uh, very nearly 2020 good god mm. um, there, there, there's one particular view now uh, another another section of the theory that sort of comes up and uh, is is less concrete than some of the other stuff is the idea that there were people seen around talking about the assassination, especially in particular a woman in a polka dot dress.
1: We got him. Who we was got supposedly him. Supposedly
0: seen after the assassination, running out saying we got him. Now there's one interview with a, a woman who claims to have seen this this woman in the polka dot dress talking to a police officer about it, and. This being the 1960 s, where sort of civil rights women's lib was still very, very somewhat embryonic, and women were kind of to be to be uh, seen and not heard. And so you basically have this male um, police officer essentially telling the woman what she saw, and when she when she says, oh, "I saw this woman in a particular dress," he's essentially saying, "No, you didn't." Yeah, no. We've well, we've spoken to this. other just, people; you know,
1: they didn't see what you saw. So just admit just your lies. Just stop being so silly. Yeah. Just
0: admit, you know, admit the truth. And it's, it's really, you know, the idea that she could be telling the truth is not even
1: counted because yeah, it doesn't. Because we have a recording mm. of the police interview, yeah, and it is browbeating a witness. Until such time they agree with your interpretation. Mm. So, the fact that your interpretation is not based upon having been at the event was hers is. Which is not to say that what she saw or heard is necessarily what occurred. No. I think this interesting thing about this woman in the polka, polka dot dress who people claim was seen with Suhan Suhan at one particular point, is then seen running away from the building saying, we got him, we got him. We've got one witness who says, I saw the woman and I heard what she said. Now, of course, it's quite possible that she could have said something like, he got him, Mm. which then gets misremembered as we got him, which then generates a whole conspiracy theory of there must have been patsies. But it is interesting that the witness is browbeaten by the police, that there's just no real investigation of this claim.
0: Yeah, and I think it's it, it sort of comes across less as here are the authorities trying to suppress um, evidence for some conspiratorial cover-up reason as much as... Uh, here's a witness who says something that's inconvenient in their story, but she's just a woman, and what the hell does a woman know? So let's, you know, let, let's tell her what the deal is. Just good old, good old 1960s sexism more than anything overly conspiratorial. Hot dang! Mm. But, um, yeah, so but when it comes to the interplay between Stuart Pontier and Kleber, um so he sort of, uh, Stuart is the guy who sort of, running the podcast, as it were, and Kleber's the guy he's called in to. Yeah,
1: and there's them. an interesting aspect. So in the first episode, which is basically just Stuart Pontier mm. talking about his family history of being in a democratic family and the interest in RFK and listening to talk show or talk back hosts talking about it. And so he talks about Bill Kleber, And there you go, so I go off and I see Bill Kleber to ask the question. And then at the end of the first episode, it's revealed, actually, Bill is going to be involved in the rest of the show. It's Mm. simply not Zach Stewart-Pontier going off and I'm going to talk to this guy to find out his position, and then I'll do the rest of my investigation. He talks to this guy and then goes, hey, why don't we do it together? And it was quite refreshing to go, so here's someone who doesn't have a settled view on the death of R- RFK with a fully-fledged Suhan Suhan is a Manchurian candidate conspiracy Ooh. theorist working together to try to sort out fact from fiction. Yeah, And if we're going to talk about sorting out fact from fiction, we should probably talk about Bill's thesis, the Manchurian yes. candidate thesis. Now, for those of you who are young enough not to know what the Manchurian candidate is a reference to... It's a film starring Frank Sinatra, Mm. who was remade more recently, with Denzel Washington. Mm. Was it Denzel? I think. I think it was Denzel Washington. Was it
0: Leif Schreiber, or am I thinking... Yeah, I think he was in it as well. But anyway...
1: Yeah, I think Leif Schreiber Mm. was the villain as usual. Denzel was the poor Manchurian candidate, which is about... A person who is hypnotized and brainwashed, I think, in the original. I think they do a much more techno-solution version for the modern remake of the Manchurian Candidate so that they can have a trigger word at which point they will carry out a set of pre-described actions. So they're a sleeper agent without even knowing themselves yeah. that they are a sleeper agent. Yeah. And so Bill Kleiber's hypothesis is that Sirhan Sirhan at some particular point in time was programmed to attack and kill RFK. And this thus explains why Sirhan, to this day, he's still alive in federal prison, Mm. denies knowing why he did it. So Sirhan admits he did it. He admits he fired the shot, he was in the room, but he doesn't remember anything about the event and claims that he does understand why he would have committed the event. Which would lead to some people, like Kleiber, going, well, obviously Manchurian candidate. Mm. Now Kleiber, he, he's very
0: he, he he's very evidence-driven. Um, whenever he talks about it, he sort of says, you know, if if you believe in the if you want to believe the official version of it that Sirhan Sirhan acted alone, knew what he was doing, um then you have to account for all this evidence. You have to account for the extra bullet holes. Um, You have to account for the audio tapes. You have to account for... um... Oh, what's the other one? I I completely lost my train of thought because I was thinking about what I was going to say next, but I forgot to to, to think how I was going to get from here to there. So
1: not having access to your brain mates. I'm not quite sure what that, that third thing was you were thinking of. You've got the, yeah, the, the, the physical evidence, the, the bullet holes, the audio.
0: Oh, maybe I was just thinking of the, the, the pipe dot dressing, which you've already talked about. But the point is, he, he very much says, you know, he, here are these facts. And these facts show that it can't,
1: the official version can't be true. Right, oh, so I suppose actually what you might, might have been thinking about was the audio testimony, the so-called RFK tapes of Sirhan Sirhan under hypnosis. Acting in really weird ways, also,
0: although that, that, that's a bit more nebulous. I mean, he 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 like very much likes to point to the the concrete, hard physical evidence stuff. That's the one when when they when the two of them have dis- disagreements on the podcast itself, which they do. Himself, which they yeah. do um, that's what that's the one that he comes to. You know, the the, the bullet holes, too many bullets. Oh, oh, sorry, the um, that's the one I was thinking of. The the powder burns,
1: the, the discrepancies oh, yes, between yeah. about where um, Sir Helm was standing where he, where, where he versus was standing. where the entry. Points to the yeah. wounds. So that
0: was sorry. That was the other
1: one yeah. that I forgot. The
0: uh, coroner's report on what happened talked about the fact that um, going by powder burns and so on, shots must have been fired from very close range from a certain angle. And witness reports tended to say that uh, Suhan was further away than that suge- than than the autopsy results suggested, and on a different angle from what the autopsy re- uh, results suggested. Um, and so he, he very much puts the burden of proof on Stuart Pontier all the time. He's always saying, no, you have to prove, you have to account for this evidence uh, if you want to prove um, that the official version is true. But it never really gets turned around on him because he has to accept that post-hypnotic suggestion Manchurian candidate stuff is a thing. And that seems yeah. like much
1: more of and a... Yeah, that seems to, be, it seems to be the nub of the debate between Zach and Bill, mm. which is... Zach admits the evidence is tricky because I'd say essentially for the first half to almost two-thirds of the podcast, it does look like Stuart Pontier is going to end the up agreeing. Yeah. Yeah. And then he starts to diverge. We'll get to the divergement quite soon. Mm. And we'll also try to work out whether divergement is a, a oh, real I word. I say
0: divergence, but divergement. It sounds yeah. nice. Yeah, it, yeah. It,
1: sounds, it, it sounds like a podcast's guide to mm. the conspiracy it words. Does. So, yeah, and... It does get us into the whole Manchurian candidate hypothesis, which was a much more plausible thing to believe in the 60s, when it was an active research program going on in Russia and in the US, because both sides were basically trying to work out whether it was possible. Not because they necessarily believed it was possible, but, but they, they were concerned that, the yeah, that yeah, that the yeah. other side might be able to do it. So in the 60s, these kind of experiments were going on. We knew they were going on. As so it was plausible to think, well, if they're going on, maybe they've achieved it. But, of course, the consensus now, and maybe the consensus is part of the cover-up, is that these experiments were, by and large, failures. Mm. And that these things can't be done. And if they're going to be done, they're going to be done with implants now. And even that, people go, well, that's actually... Brains are much more complex thing than people make it out Mm. to be. So that's probably not possible as well. So there is this kind of sticking point in the debate that Bill is right. There is awkward evidence with respect to the assassination of RFK that people who accept the official story, which is that Sirhan Sirhan fired all of the bullets and only Sirhan Sirhan's gun caused any injuries, has to explain the fact that there appear to be too many bullets and the powder burns are in the wrong location. Although there's a, there is a, a rival hypothesis, mm. which is non-conspiratorial, or at least not as conspiratorial, which accounts for a lot of the stuff, which we'll get into when the third character in our drama comes into play. Yes. But yes, the Manchurian candidate thing is tricky, Because it's something which many people go, what's the evidence for the Manchurian candidate hypothesis? This physical evidence is awkward, but we need evidence that Manchurian candidates exist before we can start putting them into our
0: stories. Mm. And there is, at one point there is, they they play an interview um, where the hypnotist is talking to Sirhan and... um, and, and demonstrates implanting planting a post-hypnotic suggestion and gets him to, to climb up the side of his cell or something like that. Um, and that's sort of taken as, you know, so look, this is what you can do. You can make a person do anything. Um, but again, th- that, it's, it's, not, it's not very definite. And I mean, at this stage, if Suhan Suhan has already got it in his head that this is how he's going to defend himself, he's going to claim that he wasn't in control of his actions, well, then he'd... he'd Play along with that anyway. yeah. So it's, it's, you know, it. Yeah, and actually, from what we
1: know about hypnosis today, hypnotic states are not so much about being compelled. It's a lot more about going along yeah. with. It's, it's sort of relaxing
0: you to so that you feel more free to do stuff.
1: Yeah. Mm. So being more likely to follow a short-term instruction. Not so likely to be implanted with mm. an instruction. Otherwise, stage hypnotists would be some of the best serial killers of all time. Mm, exactly. Uh, but anyway, so
0: you, you, you've sort of you've got these two viewpoints, and it, 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 it's just a bit of a shame, really, that he doesn't go harder on Clayborough about how can you actually. Base you know, have a theory which is based on something that seems to be so, uh, almost sort of science fiction. Um, so, so at this point they start to he starts to uh, Stuart Pontier is like, I've you know we've got this, this. He makes a compelling case, but then it's a bit hard to know and and starts to looking for um, third parties. So, the, the the one thing is he looks into the audio evidence when he notes that. Um, Yeah, Kleber claims, look, here's this guy, he's an audio engineer, he knows what he's doing, and he's listened to the tapes and he's identified 13 gunshots. So that shows there had to have been a second killer. Um, And then Stuart Pontier says, and here's the police guy who identified eight shots. And he looks, well, okay. so hang on, the... The guy who the police hired had been told there were eight shots, so he was looking for eight shots and found them. The other guy had been told there were more than, you know, had been brought in by conspiracy theorists, had been told to look for more than eight shots and found more than eight shots. They were both, you know, looking for a certain thing and ended up finding what they were looking for. So he goes to another guy he knows, an audio engineer, who doesn't know anything about the RFK assassination, says, look, here's a tape how many shots can you find on it? And the guy comes back and says, I found about six and maybe another two. So um, Stuart Pontier, sort of, th- 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 there is one instance where he goes off looking for something maybe a bit more objective. Uh, but then the main thing, he goes and talks to this third party.
1: Who Dan Muldea. Dan Moldea.
0: He was a conspiracy theorist, uh, a, a contemporary of Bill Kleber's, uh, um, who... Looked into the um, RFK,
1: was quite convinced yeah. that there was something very suspicious about the assassination. Um, he, he was a reporter, was he? I think Yeah, obviously a reporter.
0: Yeah. Um, and, but in the end, he actually changed his mind. Um, and
1: what's interesting is that he chases down the third option. Hmm. So the option that Mordea looks at is that Kennedy's bodyguard was armed and in the room. And so Moldea goes, well, look, if we've got too many bullets, we know there are two people with guns in in the room. And we are also in a situation where we know that if someone was firing at the person you're hired to protect, then you're likely to fire back. Mm. And he goes, well, this person's standing behind RFK which means they're in the position where they could have accidentally fired shots into RFK's body. And then, of course, you'd have a cover-up of some kind to cover up the fact that actually wasn't Sirhan Suhan who committed the facial shots, or if he did, there was help accidentally. So maybe the real story here is not a conspiracy to make Suhan Suhan look like the assassin, because he's a Patsy for a Manchurian candidate style thing. Maybe the real story here is that actually the bodyguard aided the death and Literally. then, yeah, and then somehow they covered that particular bit up. Mm. And he also looks
0: into some of the other evidence, in particular the um the bullet holes in the door frame. Which people pointed out, you know, a it's a problem because it appears to show th- 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 there weren't enough shots in Suhan's gun to have also generated uh, bullet holes in the doorframe. Um, but he he goes and and um, says, so hang on, how do we? Oh, sorry, and and one another thing, important thing is they destroyed the doorframes. They didn't keep them; at, they they took them. They removed physically removed them from the room. Um, Put them into evidence, but then later destroyed them because they weren't needed or something. And as people have said, you don't do that. You don't. It's, you know, you you shouldn't. It's actually
1: evidence, evidence gets totally destroyed all the
0: time once you think you've got a conviction. Mm. Um, but the point is he went and he went and looked into that a bit further and was like, "Okay, so how do we know there were bullet holes there because oh, there police officers? Oh, so it was someone it was like a forensic person came and did, did a crime scene you know investigation and found these X runs, and he eventually found out that the person who identified these bullet holes was just a, a regular police officer who happened to be there at the time
1: with no forensic, with no forensic training, training. whatsoever. so saw pockmarks marks and holes in a door frame attributed to them to gunshot impacts and of course because we don't have the door frame, we actually now don't know whether those were good identifications or not. Mm. But the thing is he also he goes and interviews the bodyguard.
0: Mm. Oh sorry, yes, I thought you were gonna say sohan, but you also does, but yes yeah, the
1: bodyguard. Yeah. Uh, and so he interviews the bodyguard and he presses the bodyguard about his hypothesis and he becomes convinced the bodyguard isn't lying. And that the bodyguard had nothing to do with the event at all. And then goes, well, because we are no longer sure how many gunshots there actually were, because the doorframe analysis is not good. And I have spoken to this individual and I find them to be a trustworthy witness in this case. I have to assume that once that's taken off the table, it's quite clear he doesn't have a Manchurian candidate hypothesis as a backup, the only person in the room who could have committed the crime was Sirhan Sohan, mm. And so he went and he managed to
0: get an interview with Sirhan Suhan, and it's interesting that while Dan Muldea does change his mind and decide that Sirhan Suhan did it. The main thing that seemed to convince him is just his sort of personal impression of Suhan himself, um, and also the bodyguard. And, and the bodyguard, yeah. yes, um, because Suhan he he always portrayed himself. He he always sort of very sort of soft spoken, polite, uh, uh, sort of sort of gentle, basically kind of person who doesn't seem like a sort of a psycho killer, um, but there were for instance letters that he's written that have been found where he quite aggressively threatens people who have been saying um, things about him suggesting that he he was uh, you know just a, a murderer basically and then supposedly when Dan Mulea interviewed Suhan and pressed him a bunch eventually Suhan became quite aggressive towards him and started swearing at him and telling him you know telling him to shut up and stop talking about this stuff and so it was at that point that he just okay no this guy's a killer I believe he did it Um and of course, Kleber is aware of this and, and sort of viewed him as as a little little bit of a traitor, a little bit of a sellout. You know, he, he just sort of seemed disappointed, I guess. Yeah, in the same way, way he becomes disappointed
1: sides. with Zach Stewart Pontier mm. for not siding with him in this particular debate. Mm. So,
0: I mean, I think that's that's most of the interplay there. Um it i mean, once again really recommend you do go and listen to these cuz it's
1: and know, listen can... to the extra mm. episodes as well because they actually there's one which is a debate between Dan Moldaya and Bill Kleiber which is really quite fascinating to listen to. There's one where Kleiber goes through the evidence he feels they didn't talk about properly during the series and speaking as someone who is interested in evidence interplay actually quite fascinating to see what he takes to be good evidence versus bad. And then of course there's an episode where Zach Stuart Pontier and his co-host from a previous podcast uh, who was the producer for this particular podcast talk about the things which they they didn't get to go into which they found fascinating. So it's quite a fascinating yeah. story because they also delve into what wasn't covered in the main series itself.
0: Ooh. Yes, yeah, so I we hardly recommend it. Um, any, any closing thoughts?
1: I just thought it was really fascinating to have two people with, at the end, quite divergent viewpoints, but going in with a kind of spirit of inquiry and working together to find out what really happened there. I think it is interesting you point out that Stuart Poitier doesn't really ever push back on Bill Kleiber, And I think that's in part because initially Zach goes in, going, I want to find out what's going on here. Here's my expert guide. I'll Mm. be guided by them. And as soon as there is a little bit of pushback there, Bill is not happy. Not happy at all with there being resistance to the way he wants the story to be told. Mm. Yes. So,
0: I mean, even if you're not interested in... Assassinations and assassination conspiracy theories. Although while you're listening to this podcast, if you yeah, not
1: that watching, job you you really yeah. you must really love the banter. Mm.
0: Um, e- even if you're not interested in that sort of thing, some, just the interplay between a. a um, conspiracy theorist and a person who sort of goes in with an open mind and possibly becomes more sceptical. And, and just the journey, because, I mean, we you know, we've sort of summarised the, the details there. But as this, just listening to the whole series as it progresses and as he, as you say, first sort of defers to Kleber as an expert, but then the more he finds out himself, the more he comes to doubt this expert, and so thing, things become, you know, they're never nasty, but they do get noticeably more tense as it goes. So, just sort of in terms of a interplay between two interesting human beings, it was a very interesting thing to listen to. Actually, I
1: have one more thing too mm. much advertising. Every episode was brought to you by. Five minutes worth of advertising. Mm -hmm. This episode brought to you by Blue Apron, which is also brought to you by Harry's Razors. They like their razors so much they bought the factory. And here's a personal loan thing. And are you thinking about trading stocks? There's an app on your phone which allows you to get a free Apple stock if you. And it's just yes, yeah. Unfortunately, I think that I think that's the world we live in.
0: We've we've all we we don't like to pay for our information, so we. Have to pay for it in another
1: We just have a very small number of Mm. patrons who give us just enough to cover costs.
0: Yes, which is nice.
1: Although if you do want to give us more money, I'm not saying to the patrons, thank you patrons. Mm. If you want to become a patron and help give money so that we aren't sponsored by Blue Apron or a mattress company or a razor blade factory Mm. in Germany, which presumably is working on some kind of weird labor thing, uh. Give us some money. Yeah. We'll stay ad free for you. Mm. And also because
0: we like it this way. Well, yes, it is a lot nicer. But anyway, that is the RFK tapes. That is the end of the main content of this episode. So I believe it is on to the news. Yes,
1: let's footlong our way into the news. Mm. Breaking, breaking conspiracy theories in the news. Now I'm not sure we've ever really talked about Max Spears, maybe only in passing, but his death on July the 16th 2016 led to a number of conspiracy theories. Spears was a UK conspiracy theorist who, among other things, believed he'd been altered as a child to become a super soldier with supernatural powers. In July of 2016 he was visiting Warsaw. On the 16th he collapsed on a sofa and could not be revived medically. His death was not reported to the authorities until August, at which point his body had already been returned to the UK. As such, Polish authorities could not perform an autopsy to ascertain the cause of death. As you can imagine, a conspiracy theorist dying in strange circumstances in a foreign place with no associated autopsy led to questions about whether he had been killed and what didn't the authorities want people to find out. These questions so concerned the British authorities that they opened an inquest, which produced its findings on the 7th of January this year. The conclusion? Spears died of an overdose and due to complications due to pneumonia. So, a tragic but seemingly unconspiratorial end, or I guess that's what they want you to think. Indeed. Thoughts on that? <laughs>
0: Is is that the same guy who died and was supposedly sort of had vomiting up black stuff and something overseas? With well,
1: oh a, yeah, there was there was is some that talk that guy at the or is time. It a different guy. No, I'm pretty sure that it's was different? Max Spears because okay. it, it's a UFO related yeah, thing. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah, so we've mentioned it, but um, yeah, nice. to but see. But
1: only really in passing. Mm. Mm.
0: Uh Moving on. <clears throat> Back in episode 165, which was really episode 166. Thank you, David. We talked about the U.S. Defense Department's Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, which was their UFO hunting program that ran from 2007 to 2012. Well, now, a more recent Freedom of Information query has revealed an interesting list of other research projects that the DoD has funded. With titles like Inertial Electrostatic Confinement Fusion, Positron Aerospace Propulsion, Invisibility Cloaking, and Traversable Wormholes, Stargates, and Negative Energy, it certainly seems like the Pentagon is keen to investigate all sorts of science fiction-sounding concepts, if only to ensure that their competitors don't get an advantage over them. Sort of the... um The Russian mind control thing. Yeah, the mind control stuff we talked about in the main part. People are willing to um, investigate all sorts of stuff just in case it turns out to be real so that their their adversaries don't get one up on them. And actually,
1: um, something we didn't mention when we were talking about the RFK tapes and the mind control experiments. So people will use this as evidence of, well, look, they were investigating these things, they were pouring money into it, ipso facto, there must be something to it. When you actually look at the amount of money the Americans spent... On things like mind-control experiments the Stargate pro program and the like Actually fairly small budgets. Mm. So they're going we're taking a punt because there's a possibility Something will come out of this But we're not going to kind of spend the money we would spend say on a fighter jet mm. So, you know, you get to do a project on doing remote viewing out at a ranch in Ar- Arizona not going to be funded much. But we're gonna give you a bit of money because if there's some promise we'll fund more. But they didn't actually spend that much money on these things. Well, as I think is also true with this stuff. They're yes. not pouring billions in, they're pouring tens of thousands.
0: Well, I think it was a little bit it was a little bit more than that. I mean small beans for the Defence Department. Is still an insane amount. wasn't it the Pentagon last year who had failed to account for like billions of dollars. There,
1: there is there are operating expenses which the Pentagon can't explain. Mm. Yes, but uh, the the article in which I I read this, ten to thousand is probably may low. Balling it because we live in Atero, New Zealand, mm. where we don't even spend billions no. on our military forces, let alone tens of billions or trillions.
0: In the article, that I first read this, there was sort of the the, the comment that um, this does sort of show that that you can get money out of the defense, de- defense department for just about anything, and they seem to think that it was uh, uh, irrational to be spending, I guess, any amount of money. But anyway, yes, pop We're culture news time. Sorry, yes, pop culture users.
1: So they may have found Glenn Miller's plane. Now, Glenn Miller, for those of you not up to date on your Big Bang music, such as myself, was a band leader in the 40s who disappeared heading from the UK to Europe during the war. His plane was never found, and like many missing celebrities, people have tried to find his remains while speculating on what really happened that fateful night. Well, now they have an idea of where the plane crashed into the ocean because, in shades of our MH370 story from last week, someone was out fishing at the time and said they saw the plane come down. They even noted down the coordinates at the time. So that's exciting. However the part that concerns us is the claims about Miller's disappearance being kept deliberately quiet and the search stopped, because it was thought that the plane was brought down by friendly fire, or possibly even hit by unused bombs dropped by allied planes returning from bombing runs over Germany. And not just that. Even the Nazis were conspiracy theorizing about the disappearance of Glenn Miller. They, at one time, claimed he had made it to Paris and died there due to a heart attack whilst he was visiting a prostitute in a Parisian bordello. The crash, the Nazis said, was just a cover story.
0: Well, I do like a good bit of celebrity disappearance conspiracy theory. With a Nazi
1: tinge. With a Nazi tinge and Parisian
0: bordellos, all the better. Yeah. But yes, unfortunately, uh, 40s big band music is not my jam. So Glenn Miller is not something I know much about. But I mean, the whole friendly fire thing um, is something we've seen before, hasn't it? Attempts to suggestions that things were covering up friendly fire incidents. And what was the one? What was the big ship? The Louis, Louis Lusitain, ten, Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, which was that. That wasn't suggested it was friendly fire, but suggested that they allowed it to be targeted by the
1: Germans. Mis, well, this, I think the normal story was because it was a passenger mm. l- liner. The standard story was it was misidentified as a military ship. But yes, there is a theory going around that they quite deliberately let the Germans make that attack as a pretense to for get the Americans yeah. into the war yeah. so many so, conspiracy theories so about many. pretences to get Ooh. the Americans why are the Americans just so disinclined, I mean these days they're going to wars willy nilly yeah. I mean they're going to invade Venezuela next. but in the 40s so disinclined to get involved in a war mm. what's changed America what has changed it used to be cool America oh,
0: America's still cool, that's where the pop culture comes from Like all the pop culture.
1: What about Doctor Who? Except for Olivia Coleman
0: and Doctor Who, yes. Uh, But anyway, I believe we've reached the end of an episode.
1: We have. We've talked. Of course, there is patron bonus content coming up for those of you who give us a dollar a month or so. You'll be hearing about Dave Rubin and Jordan Peterson's new get-rich scheme. You'll find out why Nazis love NASA, and you'll also find out about the curious connection between Alice Walker. And David Ike, mm.
0: but for the rest of you, um, here here is where we part ways until next week. This episode um, will probably be reaching you slightly later than usual episodes
1: because we're um, recording it slightly later than usual episodes, so it will be reaching you slightly it will, later. Yes, uh, on, there's on no maybe of, about it.
0: On account of my uh, head cold taking out my voice for a good three days or so, actually, it's still just a little bit, a little bit crackly now, but f- but, but but prior to this, on oh, actually. Vocal frying. Indeed. On our, on our usual recording day, it was basically a barely audible croak.
1: Which would have actually made adjusting the levels on this thing no, really, yes. really awkward. So uh, next, next week's episode,
0: and unless one of us is struck down by something else, who knows what, maybe, maybe you will instead be the one who's all hoarse, probably on account of screaming, you fool, you fool, you've killed us all, at me or anyone else in your vicinity. It's true, mm. I do scream that a lot He does uh, But until then, um, I guess it is merely time to say adieu As the French say
1: And la rivedere, as my Romanian colleagues would say mm.
0: And goodbye, I guess
1: See you in hell Been listening to the Podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy, starring Josh Addison and Dr. MR extended which is written, researched, recorded, and produced by Josh and M. You can support the podcast by becoming a patron via its Podbean or Patreon campaigns. And if you need to get in contact with either Josh or M, you can email them at Podcast at gmail.com or check their Twitter accounts, mikey Fluids and Conspiracism. December was a night.